You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. We've come to consider one of the most momentous events in history. That's uh, saying something, isn't it? Um, And think about all the things that have happened uh, because of it. So uh, tonight we read Acts chapter 2. What he said about the men of Israel culminated in his words when he said about Jesus Christ, he said, him being delivered by the determinate counsel, or as the New King James says, the the determined purpose And foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. Determined counsel. God had a determined counsel, right? He had said what was going to happen right down through the ages of history. And it was determined. It was going to happen. So... When did God's counsel about the death of Jesus Christ first get spoken? Right. So we can put a little quote next to the determined counsel of God, right? And one of those verses that we could put there is Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. Now, do you think that was all of the counsel of God that talked about the death of Jesus? You know, the Bible is the counsel of God, right? So the counsel of God isn't just what he said in Genesis 3 to the serpent. It's also said in the whole of that part of Scripture, right? Before Jesus came. So do you think Jesus' death might have been talked about in other places in the Old Testament? Well, somebody looking at this question decided that there were 456 times that the coming of Jesus was talked about in God's word in the Old Testament. Other people come up with different numbers, but I guess it depends on what exactly you count as a separate instance. So let's start at Genesis 3.15. So we can put some notes next to Genesis 3.15 if we would like. Because God said to the serpent, I will put enmity, right? You know what enmity is? It's active hostility and war. So you might have that already from when we looked at that before. And I'll put it between you, the serpent, and the woman and between your seed and her seed. So the seed of the serpent are people who teach a lie. What was the lie of the serpent? Can we remember that? Any thoughts? Thou shalt not die. Right. God had said, if you ate of the tree, thou shalt die. And the serpent said a lie, taught a lie. And, but the seed of the woman are people who 
speak the truth, who believe the truth. Why is, why is that a characteristic of people who are the seed of the woman? The woman spoke the truth. So even though she gave in to what the serpent said, she spoke the truth and said, God has said we will surely die. But then there's the words that describe the death of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the singular seed of the woman who spoke the truth like no other man, right? He never sinned. And what God said was that he, so this is the singular seed, not all people who speak the truth. This is Jesus Christ shall, oh sorry, yes, he shall bruise your head, right? That's a, a mortal blow. If you're a serpent and someone's stomped on your head, you're dead. But you shall bruise his heel. And that's a temporary blow to the seed of the woman. And so what this is speaking about is the fact that Jesus was going to be temporarily killed by people who believed a lie, the seed of the serpent. But it's temporary because God would raise him from the dead. Okay. So, I want you to come now to John chapter 19. This is one record of the death of Jesus Christ. We've got the record of the death of Jesus Christ in all the Gospels. But we're going to look at a few verses in John 19. This will give you something that you can colour in. So when you come to John chapter 19, you find John is reminding us that Jesus was delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God to wicked men. Because he reminds us four times that the scriptures might be fulfilled, he says. So in verse 23, he says, They said therefore among themselves, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled. So we can colour that in. And what was the scripture? The scripture said, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Right, so first time it says that the scripture might be fulfilled, verse 23. Then in verse 28, it says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. And then in verse 36, he reminds us, These things were done that the scripture might be fulfilled, not one of his bones shall be broken. And again in verse 37. And again, another scripture says, 
another scripture was being fulfilled. They shall look on him whom they pierced. So for the rest of the night, we're going to look at the 456 times that the Old Testament talks about the life and death of Jesus Christ. Okay? We'll probably finish about, I don't know, 3 o'clock in the morning. Is that okay? All up for that? Do a Eutychus B, right? No, we're just going to look at some, right? And it's a good thing to do, is to highlight them when we find them um, and to make sure that we've got them noted in our Bibles. So have you coloured in those uh, four things in John chapter 19? Well, okay, verse 23, verse 28, verse 36 and verse 37. Okay, so it wasn't a very nice thing that happened to Jesus Christ. God had said, even before he was born, how terrible the things that would happen to Jesus would be. Just like God contemplated the death of his son all the way back from when Abraham led Isaac to Mount Moriah and before. So God would have thought about all these terrible things that men would do to his son. So what we can do is we can make a connection between the places in the Old Testament that talk about this and in the New Testament, and we can put the references to the life and death of our Lord from the New Testament alongside of those Old Testament quotes, and then we can come to the New Testament. So we'll need to be going backwards and forwards a little bit. Um, And um, so the first one here is Isaiah 50, verse 6. So prophesying of our Lord, it says, I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard, right? You like having your hair pulled out well, and pulled out on your face? Can you imagine what that would be like? I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. And if you look in Matthew 27 and verse 26, you can see it on the screen there, but maybe make the reference next to Isaiah 50 and verse 6, where it says, They struck him. I gave my back to those who struck me. You can see there. Then he released Barabbas to them in Matthew 27, verse 26. And when he had scourged Jesus, do you know what it means to scourge someone? Any ideas? Busy noting it down, are you? What's it mean to scourge someone? To whip them? Yeah. Just to whip them? What usually happened when they were whipped? What sort of whips did they use, typically? 
They used whips made of leather. And what did they put on the end of those whips? Bits of bone and stuff. So if you were scourged on your back, what happens? Your skin is cut, your flesh is pulled away. It's just terrible and painful. So they delivered him to be crucified. And then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered him, the whole of the garrison, around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. That's pretty shameful, isn't it? Shame. It's a you know, shame-inducing situation to be forced to be stripped publicly. And this scarlet robe, which was a, a derogatory thing that they were doing to him. They twisted a crown of thorns. They put it on his head. You know, if we get one thorn out in the garden, you know, we're... We're going inside to pull it out. But this was a crown of thorns pushed down onto his head and a reed in his right hand and they mocked him. They bowed the knee before him and mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And then they spat on him. Right? That's exactly what Isaiah said in chapter 50 and verse 6. So next to that you can write Matthew 27 verse 30. They spat on him, took the reed and struck him on the head. Again, striking him on the head. And you can also find those things in John 19 and verse 1. And there's a couple of other references that you could put in Matthew 27. So if you come to Matthew 27 and verse 26 to 30, you can write next to that Isaiah 50 verse 6. Okay. So when you're ready, turn up Matthew 27 verse 26 to 30 and put Isaiah 50 verse 6 next to that. But then there's other Old Testament references that also belong there. Like Psalm 22 verse 17 when it says they crucified him. How many words is that? Three. Three. That's easy to say, isn't it? They crucified him. What do you think that might have been like? Because what they did is they stretched somebody out on a post, a tree trunk, and put their hands above their head, typically, and put nails, not, not the sort of nails you get at Bunnings today that are nice and straight and round. They made nails back then by hitting them with a hammer on an anvil. So they're sharp and square or triangular, sharp edges on them. And they've hit that nail into his hands and into his feet. And then they've taken this pole with our Lord on it and they've dropped it in a hole can you imagine what that would be like? As they have manhandled him and this pole and then just dropped it in a hole. And that puts all the weight of your body on just your hands and your feet, right? And it says here in Psalm 22, verse 17, 
I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. It's a terrible thing, really, because when you are stuck up there, hung by your hands and your feet, all that weight of your body down on there, your legs and arms are all distorted, and your body is, and all your bones, the bones in your arms and legs and the bones in your chest are all showing. Hanging on the cross led to a very, very nasty situation. It was like torture. And then Isaiah 52 says, Just as many were astonished at you, so his visage was marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. That's what those three words mean. He was crucified. That means a terrible trial, a terrible physical assault on his body, so much so that his visage, his face and his body would have been marred, like distorted and un, uh, un, and not normal. Would have shown the pain he was in and the great distress. So we can, if you've got enough uh, um, fingers to go to the various quotes, you can put Matthew 27 verse 26 to 30 next to Psalm 22 and you can also write those Psalms in next to he was crucified. But then he had to endure the cruel mockings that we read about in uh, Matthew 27 before. The mockings and the insults and they were prophesied in the Old Testament. So again, in Psalm 22, verse 7, All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head. So all those people who were there watching these things were ridiculing him. So we can put next to that Matthew 27, verse 39 to 44. Those who passed by blasphemed him. They blasphemed him, wagging their heads. Likewise, the chief priests also, mocking with the scribes and the elders. And then it says, even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. So when the Psalms prophesied that all who see him would ridicule him, that's what happened. All who passed by blasphemed him. The chief priests, the scribes, the elders and even the robbers reviled him. Just like in Psalm 109 verse 25, I also have become a reproach to them. A reproach. You know, it was a, a, a terrible thing to them. When they look at me, they shake their heads. So we can uh, put those quotes next to Psalm 22, verse 7, or Psalm 109, verse 25. Maybe I should have handed out a piece of paper with all the quotes on it. 
because by the time we get to 456, it could be pretty late. Right. Um, now, crucifying, crucify, crucifixion, I should say, that we've talked about. This was prophesied, right? Again, Psalm 22, verse 16. For dogs have surrounded me, the congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. That's what it was like. Have you ever been surrounded by dogs? Don't really want to put a trauma in front of you. You know, one time I was out in an Aboriginal community and just uh, minding my own business and the local town dogs decided to come after me. Luckily, I found a stick in time. But they are terrible. You can imagine yourself being torn to bits by them, right? And dogs are nasty. Another time I was walking down a back lane going to my hotel in India from the restaurant where I'd had dinner, and some dogs decided to come after me. I must walk differently to Indian people or something, right? I mean, um, or maybe it's just that dogs don't like me. But anyway, and a dog, a dog come after me. I turned around and uh, threatened it, and it re retreated a bit, and then somebody else called it off. <laughs> I just ran at it, and <laughs> I think it was a bit confused. Right, but dogs, right? These aren't people. These are like animals. They're like wild animals. And the congregation of the wicked, right? That's what these people were like. They were terribly wicked. Yeah. Good to see that the deans have managed to get through the, uh, the long trip down the hill today. There's been an accident at the top of Glen Osmond Road, so... They've no doubt had to come the long way. So, um, Luke 24. Behold my hands and feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. So this was after Jesus' resurrection when he's showing to Philip that his hands and his feet, his hands and his feet had been pierced. And when he had said thus, he showed them his hands and his feet. So we can put that quote, Luke 24, verse 39 to 40, next to Psalm 22, verse 16, and, um, and also put Psalm 22, 16, next to Luke 24. Now, Jesus was executed as a criminal. So... Isaiah 53, verse 12, turn that up. It says, Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. That's talking about the blessing that Jesus would receive as king of the world. And it was because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Like he was counted as a criminal. And he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So there's an irony in this, right? Even though he was executed and killed as a criminal, he bore the sins of many and made intercession. He pleads to God. 
on behalf of people who are transgressors. So, Matthew 27, verse 38, belongs with Isaiah 53, verse 12. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and another on the left. Okay. Now, the soldiers divided their garments among them, divided his garments among them. It's a pretty intriguing thing that Scripture would prophesy that this would happen to our Lord. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots, right? John 19, verse 23. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts. They divided it in four, to each soldier a part, and also the tunic. Now... The tunic was without seam, woven from the top in one piece. So they cast lots because this was a very special garment made woven from the top in one piece and not easily divided in four. All right. Now, Scripture talks about the mind of our Lord. It talks about his attitude in this situation. So we read in Isaiah 53 and verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. So next to that, we can put Matthew 27, verse 12. While he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. He was led as a sheep before its shearers that was silent. He opened not his mouth. And it says that we read before that he made intercession for the transgressors, for these evil people who were putting him to death. Luke 23, verse 34, Jesus said... Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's what intercession is, appealing to his Father for the transgressors. Well, then there's the question of when Jesus was crucified. What time of day? Well, Amos chapter 8 and verse 7 to 10. The Lord hath, has sworn by the pride of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their works. Shall the land not tremble for this? That's a prophecy about God's attitude towards Israel who had killed his son. God would not forget their works and the land of Israel would tremble for it. That's a picture of the sort of things that would come to happen on Israel in AD 70, for instance. But then it goes on in verse 9, And it come to pass in that day, says the Lord God, that I will make the sun go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in broad daylight. 
I will make it like mourning for an only son, because it was. And it shall end like a bitter day. And I think he's saying there it will end in AD 70 as a bitter day. And what we find in Matthew 27 that we could put next to that quote is that from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. Not just any old darkness, but so dark that the sun was not visible in the middle of the day. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, and that brought that to an end. And again he cried out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit, and behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. So the earth was darkened in broad daylight, and the earth shook, the land trembled. So we can put next to verse 8, Matthew 27, verse 51. All keeping up? Charlotte's nodding her head, that's good. Uncle Jamie's not. No, he'll have to come back and listen to the YouTube. Just so that he can update all of those Bibles that aren't being filled out tonight. Right, okay. So what was it like being up on this cross? In the middle of the day, well not the middle of the day, but in the sunshine. What was it like being up on this cross? Well, Psalm 22, verse 15, prophesied what it would be like. My strength, Messiah's strength, is dried up like a potsherd, right? When you're just hanging from your arms and your legs, all you can do, all your strength, is put towards some very basic bodily functions. Like, how do you breathe? How does your heart manage to keep pumping some blood around your body? And he said, my strength is dried up like a potsherd. What's a potsherd? Anyone? What's a pot? Earthenware pot, right? And a pot shirt is when it's broken. It's that, you know, little small bit of a pot, right? Okay? So he's so dry, it's like the dried up, you know, fired piece of an of a earthenware pot, like a clay pot. And my tongue clings to my jaw, right? His body can't even keep the blood pumping around enough to allow the bodily functions that make, make saliva and stuff happen. And he's out there in the, in the sun with nowhere, no escape. And you have brought me to the dust of death. That was what it felt like. In John chapter 19 and verse 28, after this, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. 
So Jesus really was thirsting. His tongue was cleaving to his jaws. It was like he was dust and dried up like a shriveled wreck, like a dried up potsherd, useful for nothing. And he was in terrible pain. Dehydrated like we've spoken about, but also in Psalm 69, verse 21, they gave me gall for my food. So he wanted, he was thirsty. What did they do? They gave him vinegar to drink, right? Really not interested in helping him at all. So in Matthew 27, verse 48, immediately when, they, when he said, I thirst, one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. Wasn't really going to help him at all with his thirst. Here's another interesting detail. The sort of detail that only God, whose determined counsel had delivered him into the hands of these wicked men, only God could know what was going to happen. In Psalm 34, verse 10, it says, He guards all his bones and not one of them is broken. And that wasn't natural because the Romans wanted to make sure that there were none of these people dying and hanging on dead bodies, hanging on these posts because the Jewish festival was coming up. And so they were quite determined. They had quite some urgency to make sure that these people were dead or died quickly so they would normally break their bones. But when they came to Jesus, it says in John 19, verse 33, they saw that he was already dead. And they did not break his legs, right? So they normally break people, the people's legs there so that they would die quicker, right? Because of the trauma that goes with that. Verse 20, John 19, verse 20. Oh, Psalm 34, verse 20. Yeah, Charlotte worked out that was wrong, hadn't you? Right. That, that quote goes next to Psalm 34, verse 20. All right. Um, now, to confirm that Jesus was dead, they pierced his side with a, with a spear, it says in John 19, verse 34, that we just read. And uh, his immediately blood and water came out. Yet in Zechariah 12, verse 10, it says, I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication, and they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. You know, this is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Saviour of the nation of Israel, and they pierced him. And yet they will mourn for him in that day predicted in Zechariah 12 verse 10. 
Now, Jesus was buried in the tomb of a rich man. So Isaiah 53 verse 9, they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. And it's an interesting coincidence that, or not coincidence of course, because God was in control, but the interesting detail that we read of in Matthew 27. Now when the evening had come, there came a rich man, that's what the record says, a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had become a disciple of Jesus. And this man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus, and then Pilate commanded the body to be given him. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. The grave of a rich man, the tomb of a rich man, a man who had become Jesus' disciple, a man who did the very delicate thing of taking his body and wrapping it and putting it with dignity in a tomb. And next week we're going to look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But tonight what we've seen is the death of Jesus Christ and that Jesus in his ministry and all the way right up to his death fulfilled all that the law of and the prophets had said. Everything, all those, whether it's 300 or 456 references about the life of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, they were all fulfilled before he died and even after he died. A temporary blow to the heel had been rendered. Sorry, <laughs> a temporary blow to the heel of our Lord had been rendered, but the destruction of the power of sin had been accomplished. And when Peter stood up, he said, God had raised him up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. But we need to remember these words from Isaiah 53, verse 5 and 6. All those terrible things we looked at, those three words, he was crucified, were for us. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was wounded because we are sinful humans. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement, that means the whipping and the scourging and punishment for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. So by these terrible things that happened to him, 
we can be saved from sin and death. Or we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. That describes us, doesn't it? Because we've gone astray, we've sinned, we do the wrong thing. We do our own thing instead of God's. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.